This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Book of Romans, we're in the fifth chapter right now, so if you want to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 5, and if you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is From Pressure to Peace. From Pressure to Peace. You can write that down or you can follow along on version. If you have the Bible app on your phone or your iPad, what have you, go ahead and go to the book of Romans chapter 5. Now, this last week we really made a, a, a turned a big corner in the book of Romans because we talked about depravity and talked about the need for Christ and then we talked about how we're justified by faith and we ended up going through the latter half of the third chapter and then we went all the way through the fourth chapter talking about how Abraham was justified by faith and how you and I are justified by faith and it's not through our works, it's not through anything that we could accomplish or we could do on our own but it's simply all about Jesus. He was that perfect spotless lamb that took your sin, that took my sin upon the cross so you and I could be declared right in the eyes of God. Even though we've sinned, even though we've violated God's holiness, His perfection, you and I can still be declared right in the eyes of God, and it's nothing in and of ourselves. It was something Jesus did, and then He gives us that gift, and we're justified by faith in that gift, in the fact that He came as a man, lived that perfect sinless life, and died on the cross for you and for me. And so that's kind of where we're at. Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, verse 1, says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, he's reminding them yet again, the justification is through faith. That's why he stops right here. Once again, you see this theme all throughout Romans. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we've received peace with God. Now, I want you to notice that word with. We've received peace with God because we've been justified by faith. This is the reason we can have peace with God. Now, in our world today, people are often looking for peace because they're stressed out. There's a lot of pressure out there, a lot of things that are, that's causing turmoil, a lot of things that are causing us to make bad decisions because of the pressures that we face in life. Because every time you and I are under pressure, isn't that most of the time that we make our worst decisions? That's why there's high-pressured salesmen, because they know you're going to make a bad decision if they can put a lot of pressure on you. And oftentimes, when the pressure is applied in life, you and I will make bad decisions. We're looking for a way out of that pressure. That's why we make bad decisions, because we're going, I don't like this. I want out of this. And so I began to try to figure out a way to make the pain stop. I try to figure out a way to make the pressure stop. i got to get away from this. There's only so much of this that I can take. Now, because the world was, is constantly pressuring us and pressuring us and pressuring us, and we're looking for a way out, what we're ultimately searching for and looking for is peace. But you see, a lot of times people misunderstand peace, and they misunderstand how to walk in true peace because they're really looking for peace that comes from God. They're looking for an emotional release. They're looking for a mental release. They're looking for a way to just simply feel better, and so they run to other things that promise to give them peace. 
They run to trying to work more because more money is the answer. If I had more money, then I'll have more peace. They look to maybe food as a way. I know nobody does that. But we look to food to give us some sort of good feeling. Man, I just really need to do this. You know, a lot of times I remember when my wife and I were really struggling financially back when we lived in Texas. I remember one of the foolish things that we used to do when the pressure was on because of financial pressure when I was owning my own business and starting a church there in Texas. I remember the financial pressure was so great that we would feel when I would have a, a big job come in and I would build a you know, big website and I would make a lot of money off of that one. And one of the things we would do is we would reward ourselves. I know nobody else has done that. No, that's just me. So just uh, feel sorry for me here in this moment. Pray for me. Intercede for me. But we would reward ourselves by going out to a really expensive restaurant. And that was one of the things that we would do. Now, that was foolish, but what were we doing? We were looking for a release from the pressure. And oftentimes, we will make those bad decisions when we're in those circumstances. We're really looking for that peace from God. But what Paul is trying to get us to understand here is because we're justified by faith, we have peace with God, and we must have peace with God in order to walk in peace that comes from God. We have to be right with God, in other words. You see, peace with God only comes through knowing you're right with Him. How do we know we're right with God? Well, because we've been justified through faith, right? We've been made, we, we've been made right in the eyes of God through faith, and so therefore we know that we're right in the eyes of God and we have peace with Him. But a lot of people in the world are looking for the peace from God, but they don't have peace with God. You can't have the peace that comes from God until you know you're right with Him. Man, if, if, if your relationship with Him is in question because you're not putting your faith, your hope, and your trust in Him, or because you're looking for just the benefits and the blessings from Him instead of looking towards Him, then you might not have that peace with God, but you're looking for the peace from God because you have it misprioritized what's important. Because you see, the priority ultimately is the peace with God because that's what's going to bring us into His presence where we're going to be with Him for eternity. Peace with God has to be top priority, but oftentimes peace from God is the priority. So people are looking for an escape. They're looking for a release from the pressure. They're looking for the peace from God. A lot of times people will run to God in times of crisis. They'll run to Him in times of pressure. And that's when they really get spiritual. When the heat is on. They pray more than ever when things start falling apart. All of a sudden they start running to God, running to church, reading their Bibles, and they start trying to look for peace that comes from God. But that flows out of a relationship with God. You see, the peace from God flows out of relationship. It flows out of knowing Him, not just seeking after Him for what He can do for you. It's about knowing Him. So first and foremost, it's about being right with God. And Paul tells us how to do that, being justified by faith. We know we have peace with God. And then he says we have access by that faith into His grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hope of the glory of God refers to the promise of being with God for eternity. <clears throat> you see, it's the hope of those who have faith in Jesus Christ whom will one day see His full glory. We'll fully be just immersed in who He is and we'll see Him face to face. You see, I have hope of eternity with God through Jesus redeeming me on the cross. 
And my faith in that act gives me peace, knowing that I'm in right standing with a holy God. I have peace because I can say, like Jesus said, why do you fear what man can do unto you? He can kill the body, but he can't condemn the soul. He said, rather, why don't you fear God who can kill both body and soul? He said, why don't you instead fear him? Why are you afraid of man? What am I afraid of what man can do unto me? Because I have hope in glory. I have hope that I am going to be with Jesus forever and eternity because my faith and my trust is on the finished work of Christ and not on myself or any other thing that would try to get me to worship it or live for it. And because I have that, I've been justified, I've been made right, and now I have a hope because of this promise of being with God for eternity. And that promise should give me peace. You see, God wants us to not only just have peace with Him, He wants us to walk and live in peace that comes from Him. And that peace that comes from Him is part of us knowing that our sufferings and our trials and our temptations and the turmoil and the pressure here in life is temporary. You see, here's the crazy thing. We say this a lot here at Word of Grace when we're talking about church family. We say, this is your forever family, right? That means forever. Forever. So look at somebody sitting next to you, and if they're a believer and they put their faith and their hope in Jesus Christ, they're going to be with you forever. Now when we think about family, we often think about people who are related to us by blood. But, you know, if those people who are related to us by blood, if they haven't been justified through their faith in Jesus Christ, then they're not a part of that forever family. So actually, we all better just get used to each other and figure out how to work together, right? (laughs) Because we're going to be together for a long time. (laughs) But you see, the thing is, is that Paul doesn't just leave these Romans thinking that this life is worthless and we just need to just think about, you know, well, let's, let's just hope that, uh, you know, we just go to heaven and all of this pressure and turmoil is over because this life is pointless until we get to heaven anyways. Paul doesn't leave them thinking that because you, you would think by verse 2 that maybe he was trying to suggest that because Paul goes on to write more about things that we deal with in this life and the purpose of those things. Verse 3, Romans chapter 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now we see here that Paul leads off by saying, listen, Christians are not exempt from tribulation. He said, actually, he said, we know that we have a promise of heaven. We know we have a promise of being with Him in glory, but we also glory in tribulations because we know what tribulations will produce. We know that that tribulation is going to produce perseverance. Now, here we don't use that word a lot, tribulation. You know, it's not two people sitting at a coffee shop and you tell your buddy, hey, I've really been going through a tribulation lately. We just don't talk like that. We don't say those words. That's one of those church words that we use. And I think that a more common word that we would use is just simply pressure. And it can be to any degree. But we're we're experiencing some type of a pressure that is causing a reaction out of us. It is a trial. It is a tribulation. It is a period in our life of pressure. And Paul said, listen, 
you need to understand that pressure is actually going to produce something. It's actually going to lead somewhere. It's going to lead to perseverance. And then he begins to bring about this kind of track, if you will, of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth here. Because Christians are not exempt from those things. They're not exempt from pressure. They're not exempt from tribulation. Rather, they should expect those things. What? That's right. He said we should expect those things. Matter of fact, James 1 and verse 2, he says, my brethren, he says, count it all joy. When you fall into all these different trials and temptations, count it all joy. What? That doesn't make very much sense, does it? No. You see, a lot of people want to run away from that. I mean, we're the folks that we try to invent any way to ease pain. We try to make our lives as comfortable as we can because we seek out comfort and ease. We wish everything had a big red easy button on it, and we try to create a big red easy button for it, right? Man, I remember when Palm Pilots first came out. You guys remember Palm Pilot? Who had a Palm Pilot? Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know what's up. A Palm Pilot. I thought I was awesome when I got a Palm Pilot. Paid way too much for it, and it did way too little compared to what devices do nowadays. But it was awesome back in the day. And I thought, man, when I get this piece of technology, my life is going to be easier, right? And then technology progressed and got better. Oh, man, if I could have that piece of technology, my life is going to be easier, How many of us have iPhones and tablets and computers and all that jazz? really hasn't made our lives that much easier. We've actually gotten busier with the technology, have we not? Because if you have some free time, there's an app for that. (coughs) And that's exactly what has happened in our world. And we look at things and we're looking for ease, but in our quest for ease, we're actually becoming more and more busy. We're becoming busier because these things, even though we're searching for comfort, we're searching for ease. Charles Spurgeon said this, a Christian should be willing to be tried. He should be pleased to let his religion be put to the test. There, says he, hammer away if you'd like. Do you want to be carried to heaven on a feather bed? Even Jesus talked about trials. He talked about pressure. He talked about tribulation. In John chapter 16, John 16 and verse 33 Jesus said this, he said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. You see, Jesus is still saying, I've spoken to you about these things. He's telling them about the things that are coming. He said, I want you to have peace in me. He said, because in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have pressure. He said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He said, be of good cheer, because you have peace that comes through me. He said, but in this world, I just want to let you know, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have pressure. You're going to have trials. How many of you know that Jesus foretold of pressure, and we have experienced that? We have experienced the stress and the pressure that comes in this life, whether it's through finances, whether it's through relationships, whether it's in our marriages, whether it's with children, whether it's at our job, whether it's with, with, our, with our bosses or our coworkers, or whatever, whether it's in traffic. You know, the Sheboygan Falls rush hour is nuts. Because <laughs> we have no traffic lights, or as we say in Wisconsin, stop and go lights. We have no stop and go lights. <laughs> but man, people do not know how to work these four-way stops. It is nuts. It drives me up the wall. You know, you pull up and people do the wave game. Like, for real, you guys are doing the wave game? I mean, we, we don't, you're about to cause a wreck here. Wave, no, you go. No, you go, buddy. Seriously? 
I don't even know. That, 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 was, that, that was for free. It wasn't even in my notes. Um, <clears throat> but you see, Jesus said, listen, there's going to be trials. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be pressure in some way, shape, or form in this life. There's going to be pressure, and Christians should expect pressure. There was a Chinese, uh, I mean, there was a Christian Korean woman that was under pressure uh, of communism, and she was quoted as saying this. We are like nails. The harder you hit us, the deeper we are driven. And this lady says, the harder you hit us, the more pressure you put on us, the deeper our conviction, the deeper we're driven. Look throughout church history and see when the church was at the deepest level of conviction to the point they would be willing to die for their faith. It was during times of great persecution. You would see times of reformation when the church would arise out of a time of apathy. And you see these cycles, and it happens over and over and over again, when the church would arise out of apathy, and and people would take a stand for what is right, and people would take a stand that's contrary, that's counterculture to what's popular, what everyone else is saying, what everyone else is doing. And then they would begin to receive persecution as a result of that. That drove people deeper. It drove them to hold on to their faith and never want to let go. You see, Jesus said, don't be surprised when pressure comes. Don't be surprised when it's all around. And, and, and you see, you and I, we have two options here. We can either run away from it or we can embrace it and keep moving forward. We can embrace it and grow, like Paul's saying here, knowing that what it's going to produce, or we can run away from it because pressure produces perseverance. This is the primary spot, however, that people give up on. This is where a lot of people throw in the towel. They give up quickly instead of understanding that pressure and perseverance in that pressure should be expected. People are often looking for that easy button, and, and, and an easy, comfortable gospel is not gospel at all, but rather it's an illusion that would lead your heart away from God. And I'll tell you why it would lead your heart away from God. Because if we're preaching and teaching an easy, comfortable gospel then we're preaching contrary to the words of Jesus who said we should expect it. Who said, guess what, it's going to be here. While you're in this world, there's going to be pressure. And if someone is preaching and teaching that you're not supposed to have any pressure at all, then they're preaching a message contrary to what Christ preached. They're preaching a message that is contrary to what Paul preached, what James preached, and what many others talked about. Just because you are a Christian doesn't mean that everything is supposed to work out in your life. That your life is supposed to be this perfect sitcom where everybody comes home, cue the laugh track, everyone claps, and and everyone just celebrates how wonderful you are and how great you are, and nothing ever goes wrong. And that the goal of your life is to just be this picture-perfect family where nothing ever happens, where you never have pressure, where you never have any trials, where you never have any temptations, and everything's just wonderful because we feel like when trials, temptations, or pressure come that we've done something wrong and we've somehow failed. And if we buy into that lie from the enemy, we're going to go and believe that we're chasing after this picture of perfection that we honestly could never achieve, and we constantly live our lives feeling like we're failures in the eyes of God. God never said you're a failure when you're tried. God God never said you're a failure when pressure comes. He said, actually, I want you to expect it because it's going to be good for you. He didn't say, "This this is the result of you being a failure. That's what the world would say. That's what society would say because society is performance-driven. But God is not performance-driven. God is grace-driven. Amen? And the reason and the purpose for His grace is so you and I can reflect His glory because God is all about His glory. 
And because of His grace, it gets to show how big and awesome He is. And that's why His grace is supposed to drive us to worship. It's supposed to drive us to life change. It's supposed to drive us to that place of repentance. It's supposed to drive us to that place of serving Him and giving our lives for Him. To where we understand what it means to present our bodies as a living sacrifice because we're so enamored by how huge and by how awesome His grace is. When we get that, then we understand that pressure's going to come. We understand that pressure comes, but we understand that we can still have peace through that pressure. Amen, somebody? You see, here's the thing. That comfortable gospel is not gospel at all, but it's an illusion that will lead your heart away from God. But pressure and perseverance... Pressure and perseverance, in that, in, in, the, in that pressure, when you keep moving forward, it'll actually lead you to God. Too many people give up too quickly because they just don't like to be challenged. We don't want to be confronted. We don't want to be challenged. We don't want to be chastised. We want to think that our way is always the best way, that our thoughts are always the best thoughts, and that we're just smarter than everybody else, and everyone just needs to look at us for the model person. And if we think that way, then we're wrong. We're missing humility, and, and, and we're looking for comfort. You see, if you never endure anything, how are you going to grow? If you never endure, if you never keep moving forward in pressure, and you always just run away from challenges and difficult circumstances, how are you going to grow? Are you going to spend the rest of your life looking for everyone to accommodate you? Is that the goal of life, is going, oh, well, since you're not accommodating me, then I no longer want to be a part of your life. Oh, because you're no longer accommodating me, I, never, I don't want to work for your organization anymore. Oh, because you're not accommodating me, I no longer want to be a part of your fellowship. You see, people are looking for everyone and everything to accommodate them because we think it's all about us and we're missing the point. And because we never allow ourselves to go through challenges or trials or things we don't enjoy going through, how are we ever going to grow? How are we ever going to grow? Just think about when we were little kids, you know. Our friends do something bad to us and it hurts our feelings. It makes us mad. I'm going to take my ball and go home. I don't want to play with you anymore. But like 20 minutes later, we're back on the playground. We're best friends again. Why? Because in our innocence, we understand grace. Because in our innocence, we prioritize relationship over what we want. Because when we're in that stage of life, that's how we're looking at things, and that's, that, that's our worldview, and it's, a very, it, it's much more pure of a worldview than after 20, 30, 40, 50 years of being done wrong, of being abused, of being lied to, of being disappointed. Then we get cautious, and we want to keep people at arm's length, and we never want anyone to get close, so we don't want to deal with any type of pressure. We don't want to deal with any type of friction in relationship, and we think everyone just needs to cater to us. That's not how we were when we were kids. We would think, oh, you know, you, you made me mad. You hurt my feelings. I took my ball and went home. But hey, you want to go play? Because the relationship was the priority. But oftentimes people will abandon relationships. They abandon jobs just because their boss doesn't accommodate them and do everything that they think their boss should do. Well, has God called you there? Has God called you to be a part of what's going on there in that company? Maybe instead of you looking for someone else to be the solution, maybe God has called you there to be the solution for the problem that you consistently see there. Have you ever thought about that? But no, we don't think that way because we so quickly want to abandon the pressure because we don't like it. I want to run away from it because it's not meeting my needs. It's not doing what I want it to do. And so we just run away from pressure and we never learn how to persevere 
And we become very immature. We never develop character. We never, we never grow. We just keep looking for everyone to always cater to us. But you see, when the pressure's there and we grow and we persevere, it develops something else, Paul said. He said perseverance, in verse 4, develops character. You see, character is the next link in the chain. Character is produced through enduring and moving forward during times of pressure. That's not simply just grinning and bearing it, but it's actually moving forward during those times. Amen, somebody? Because, see, when the pressure's on and you're persevering, persevering means move forward, not just get stuck. A lot of times people get stuck when the pressure's on. When they're involved in a situation, they're not moving forward, they're just stuck. And then they begin to, because of their, their, their they get stuck, they, get, they begin to feel isolated. They begin to feel very much like a victim. They begin to very much feel uh, like everyone needs to just have sympathy on them because they're stuck in the pressure and they're not making any changes to move forward. They're not stepping out in faith. They're not taking any risks. They're not doing anything different and they're hoping that things change. The pressure's there. But to persevere means to move forward. And that's going to develop character if we continue to move forward. So how do I grow through times of pressure so I can keep moving forward? Remain steadfast under trial. What that means is that means that your foundation, your source must be constant. Because guess what? I think we in Wisconsin probably understand this pretty well. Because it rains, it snows, the wind blows, the heat wants to try to come and exhaust you. Or at least I've heard about heat. I'm not sure. But I know that there are parts in the world where heat would want to come and exhaust you. But when I look at the potential trials that weather, weather can bring, I don't allow those things to destroy me. Has anyone said, oh, kids, I'm sorry, it snowed outside, it's a good two feet, I guess we're not going to be able to eat. I'm sorry, guys. I guess that we're just going to have to shut everything down. There's two feet of snow on the ground, and, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. What do we do? Do we let it stop us? Do we feel sorry for ourselves and we just allow everything around us to just fall apart? Or do we adjust? We adjust. We put on more clothes. We get out there and shovel the driveway or get the snowblower out or whatever we need to do. We put on more clothes. We get in the car. We turn the heater on and we get it up really high because it can get really cold. And we go to the store and guess what? The store didn't shut down just because there was two feet of snow on the ground, did they? People didn't stop coming to work, did they? No, they adjust. This isn't southern Arkansas where there's a thousand cars in the ditch because there's two inches of snow on the ground. This is Wisconsin, baby. We adjust. We get our, we get our, our, our salt trucks out there slinging salt everywhere. Makes our cars have this real pretty vintage look to them eventually. It's what we do. We do that because we're not going to let that stuff stop us. We're not going to let our family starve just because of a little bit of snow. We're not going to stay inside all day and never ever see the light of day, quit our jobs just because it's cold outside. What do we do? We adjust. That's us continuing to move forward despite the challenges that we may face. We adjust. We keep moving forward. Instead of me keeping on doing the same thing every day and expecting a change, expecting something to... to, we, We get mad at God. God, why did you have to make it snow? This is the way it's been. It's snow. I made it. It's awesome. For a little bit. And we get mad at God. We want to blame God because our circumstances haven't changed. Because the season isn't accommodating us the way that we want to be. No, you adjust. And you move forward. That's how you grow. That's how you develop character. 
I think that Paul said it best in 2 Corinthians 1 through 8, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. He said this, he said, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time that we went through in Asia. We were really crushed and overwhelmed. We feared we would never live through it. We felt we were doomed to die, and we saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good. What? That's right. Paul says that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God, because God alone could save us. He even raised the dead, and he did help us. And he did save us from a terrible death. Yes, and we expect him to do it again and again. He saved us. You see, we got to the end of ourselves. We got to where we had to put all of our reliance and our hope on him because we were in a situation where if God didn't intervene, nothing was going to happen. I had to continue to trust him. I had to continue to move forward and go, okay, God, I know you're for me. I know you're on my side. I have to trust in you. And he's faithful. He did deliver us. And guess what? I expect him to do it again and again. Why could Paul say that? Because he knows something about God that you and I need to know about God. That God is constant. That he can be trusted. That God is faithful so what we need to ask when the trials come when the pressure comes is what is God saying is it time to adjust is it time to layer up is it time to change is it time to is it time to layer up and change clothes because it's cold is it time to make some adjustments in your life because the pressure is due maybe to you being unwilling to adjust maybe the pressure is due to you being unwilling to take a step out and move forward And you're not going anywhere, and God is saying, listen, I'm wanting you to keep moving forward and keep trusting me in this season. What is God saying in this time? You see, that develops character. And character that brings glory to God is one that is dependable, reliable, and consistent. That's what the definition, really, of a godly character is, because a godly character is not going to be destroyed when things don't work out their way. Because how many of us have figured out there are things in life that are not going to work out our way? And we can allow those things to destroy us or allow those things to sharpen us as we keep moving forward and we don't let stuff crush us. Then we become reliable. We become consistent. We become dependable because we've learned how to walk through some things. Talk to somebody who's lived on this earth for a number of years Ask them what they get stressed out about. If they've learned how to walk through trials and temptations, ask someone who is in their 80s and ask them, say, how am I going to walk through this? If this has been a good godly man or a good godly woman who has learned God, they said, I've made mistakes, sure, but I know one thing, that God is still faithful. I didn't always get what I wanted. It didn't always work out the way I wanted it to, but God is still faithful. Amen? And when a newlywed couple would go to an elderly couple that was in their 80s or so, they would begin to talk about some of the challenges they, were, they would have. What are some of the things that they would do? They would chuckle. <laughs> Why? Because they made it through those things. Tomorrow's my wife and I's anniversary. We're going to be married 13 years tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> and um, it's funny because I'm going to be uh, doing... Uh, Trenton and Kristen's wedding here uh, in October, and as I was talking to Trenton, some of the things that he brings up to me, or some of the things I've talked to them about, as I've been doing some premarital counseling, you know, all of this just kind of makes you chuckle. You go, 
Because it reminds you of 13 years ago how you thought. And I'm sure there's people that have been married 20, 30 years that some of the things I face, that when I bring those things up to them, would make them chuckle. Because they're like, yeah, we've been through that. We remember that time. We remember when our kids were little. We remember dealing with this and dealing with that. But we know that God is faithful. Because God is reliable. Because God is consistent. And that's what God wants you and I to be. He wants us to be reliable and consistent, but we're never going to be that if we always give up at the first sign of pressure, if we always run away from it. We've got to learn how to persevere. We've got to learn how to keep moving forward. We've got to learn how to adjust, learn how to be flexible, learn how to grow through the trial. And then it develops in us, that perseverance develops character. And then character develops hope. What do we have hope in? A person, a person of character has hope that God is faithful because their faithfulness and their consistent lifestyle reflects the glory of God and it shows the faithfulness of God. You see, hope doesn't disappoint, is what Paul said in verse 5. He said, hope does not disappoint because God has poured out His love on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who makes a dead man separated from God alive because of Christ. He makes what was once dead alive. Hope does not disappoint, said, because his love has been poured out. Now, that word love is a word you've probably heard, especially if you've been around church for uh, a number of years. You've heard that word agape. That's the agape love there. And one of the things I want to tell you about the agape love of God is that agape love is the kind of love that's given by choice. It's something God chose to do. He chose to love you. He chose you right in the middle of your turmoil, right in the middle of your pressure, right in the middle of your sin, right in the middle of your rejection of His love. He still chose you. And He said, I'm going to love you before you ever have the opportunity to love me. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, right? He gave out of His love. He chose to love us when we were at our worst. You see, and that agape love is given by choice, and God wants you to grow from pressure to peace because it is His love for you that He chose you before you could ever choose Him. And that shows me, and that shows you, that God is for you. He's not against you. Amen? Amen. Three people believe that. <laughs> I said, that lets you know God is for you, not against you. Amen. When I know God is for me, and I know He's not against me, then you know what I can do? I can rest because I have a peace of God, because I have first peace with God, and now I have a peace from God that passes my understanding. It doesn't make sense, but somehow, even though I'm in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this trial, I have a peace because I know God is for me, because He's proven Himself, because He's faithful. I can have a peace that passes my understanding, that guards my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. And when I rest in that, then I have a peace. And when I rest, guess what I do? I grow. You know, when you work out, when you lift weights, you're actually tearing that muscle down. You're not building muscle when you go in the gym and lift weights. You're actually putting pressure on those muscles, and it's causing them to rip and tear. You're making small, calculated, tiny rips and tears in those muscle fibers when you lift weights. That's why you're sore the next day, and then the next day. And if you just started, maybe the next day. And you're tired 
But guess what? You don't grow when you're lifting weights. You grow when you rest. Did you know that professional bodybuilders, after they get through working out for two, three hours, when those guys do those intense, heavy weightlifting sessions and they really just exhaust their muscles, they go home and they give themselves proper nutrients. They give themselves a lot of protein, a lot of different things that they need for their bodies to recover, and then they go to sleep. You know, bodybuilders will sleep for 12 hours a day. Why? Because they know that while they're resting, their body is getting stronger. They understand something that you and I need to understand. If we're going to get stronger as believers, if we're going to continue to grow and get stronger and more mature as Christians, we have to learn how to rest. We have to learn how to grow in times of peace. We have to learn how to walk in God's peace and trust in the finished work of the cross, trust that He's for us, trust that we're going to one day be with Him in glory and our sufferings, although they may be big, they may be right in front of us, they may be loud, they may be screaming at us, that they're just temporary things. And they're actually here if I'll keep on moving forward, that I can rest in Christ and I can actually grow through those things. You see... That's why peace with God leads us to peace from God because we see through it. We see through the pressure. We see through the storm. Just like whenever the boat was rocking, there was a storm out on the sea. But yet Peter saw through the storm. What did he see? He saw Jesus. What was he doing? He was walking on the water. Peter saw Jesus through the storm. You and I need to see that hope through the storm. So we'll keep persevering. So we'll allow our character to be developed. So hope can be stirred. So peace can come and rule and reign. That's how we move from pressure to peace. And it causes us to rest in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your head this morning? God, I thank you for our church family. Thank you for everyone here today under the sound of my voice. And I thank you, God, that you are just doing such a great work in the hearts and in the minds and the lives of people. God, we're humbled and honored to get to be a part. And I would just ask you, Father that you would just grip people's hearts in this moment. If they don't know you, if they don't know that peace, that they would realize that that peace comes from, first of all, being right with God and being justified and being right in the eyes of God. And that's by putting our faith and our hope and our trust in the finished work of Jesus that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, go and just grip the hearts of people because it's the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us to the truth. And the truth that will set us free is that Jesus took your punishment, took my punishment, so that we could be made right in the eyes of a holy God. And so today, if that's you, just reach out to Jesus today. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.